Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of industries. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge in relationships from 32 years in banking to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have three great guests on the show today. I'm really excited about this. Paul Zanardo with Zanardo Design. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Bill. And Jim Persley with Factory Automation Systems. Jim, so glad to have you. Yeah, great to be here. And Ed Mysaglan with uh, Business Advisors. Ed, thank you so much for coming on Profit Sense. Well, thanks for having me. And so, Paul, I'm going to start with you. So, marketing yeah. is a challenging topic for many business owners. Uh, let me kind of start first with uh, a personal question. Have you always been interested in the creative field? Yeah, I remember when I was eight years old, I was on the floor of my dad's architecture firm and building Legos, looking up at his drafting table. You know, he was designing buildings and I wanted to be creative and design and build just like him. So it's always been a passion of mine. Neat, neat. And of course, then you took that uh, passion and uh, uh, started Zanardo Design. Uh, I know in the design field, it's uh, it's highly competitive. There's a lot, uh, a lot of people out there uh, trying to uh, uh, compete. So what do you feel sets you and Zanardo Design apart from your competitors? You know, there's a lot of things that set us apart, but there's three things that really stand out. Uh, we put God first in all the decisions that we make. And, you know, with our clients, I don't see dollar signs. You know, I see people. And my mom blessed me with empathy. And so I'm able to hear and understand what my clients' needs, and that helps me better serve you know, our customers. Yeah, that's awesome. We're talking this morning with Paul Zernardo, CEO and founder of Zernardo Design. Uh, Paul has over 20 years of sales management and marketing experience at, at various companies. Uh, Zanardo Design is a Lawrenceville-based professional service provider offering fully integrated digital branding solutions through website development, SEO, graphic design, printing, and digital marketing. And Paul, I want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, how your pricing structure is set up. So could you share with us... Uh, how is your pricing structure? Yeah, um, we don't have set prices because the scope and scale is different for each client. Um, but, you know, we offer very competitive prices. We're not going to be the lowest price, but we're definitely not going to be the most expensive. And you know, generally, if a potential client's only concern is price, we're not going to be a good fit. But I'll, I'll help them find a company that would work within what they need, though. Sure, sure. Um, I know for me, whenever someone starts talking about cost, uh, you know, I try to switch the conversation as much as I can to value. (laughs) And I know, uh, there was a cabinetry 
company that you worked with recently. So maybe uh, share with our listening audience a little bit about what you did for that cabinetry firm in terms of adding value to their to their brand and to their marketing efforts. Yeah, that is uh, a company uh, above and beyond cabinetry LLC in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and uh, it's actually my brother-in-law. And so, you know, he's uh, been in the business for a long time and just recently went out on his own. So we got together and, you know, had a meeting about how we could come up with a good logo for his company and we're working on some digital marketing for them. And later uh, coming up soon, we're going to be helping them with the website. So, Neat. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun working with them. And so have you always been a fully integrated design firm? Uh, no. When I was in school for graphic design, I was doing freelance graphic design work and web development. And then through marketing successfully for my company and my background in sales and marketing, it just kind of made sense to be a one-stop shop for everything digital branding. We're talking this morning with Paul Zanardo with Zanardo Design. Uh, his company is now quickly approaching eight years of serving the community as a professional services provider. Uh, his wife, Amy, is their lead graphic designer and content editor. And so I'm, I'm curious, uh, what's it like maybe working with your spouse? Uh, and then even further, I'd like to talk a little bit about, uh, I know you're a big, uh, you're very involved in the community and talking a little bit about, uh, about that as well. Yeah. Um, I found out early on that running my business by myself wasn't going to work and I, you know, it takes a village. So, uh, my wife, Amy was with me every step of the way while I was getting my degree, um, for graphic design and she was helping me with all that. And, you know, she knows all the programs just as well as I do. And so she, you know, is really good at what she does. And, uh, for you were asking about the community um we're really involved with our church and i volunteer with a company or an organization it's gwinnett chat outreach Uh and we provide mentors for young men and help them find careers they might be interested in and we also donate fresh produce to the community Uh, living a healthy lifestyle is really important to me so you know it's hard when you're struggling financially to find you know food that's healthy and, and good for you. Sure. So that's important to me. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, that is wonderful. And, uh, for anyone in our, in our listening audience, uh, that maybe wants to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. You can reach me personally on LinkedIn, Paul Zanardo. Our, our company website is zanardodesigns.com. That's Z-A-N-A-R-D-O. D-E-Z-I-G-N-Z dot com. And our company's on all the major social media platforms as well. Yeah, neat. Well, listen, uh, I know, uh, I think you went through a little bit of a rebranding and a redesign uh, for your firm as well that uh, Amy uh, Amy played a, a role in doing that. And, yeah. and so uh, that was exciting too, I bet, wasn't it? That was a lot of fun for us. You know, you want to keep things fresh. You know, we're coming, uh, I think, Next month will be eight years for us. So just a rebrand on the logo and updates on our website. You know, uh, SEO is constantly changing. So keeping the information uh, up to date is really important. So having that fresh look on, on a brand you know, keeps everything exciting. 
Yeah, and I think I've uh, uh, you and I have spoke a little bit about uh, the number one weakness I've found in growing firms is is really marketing, mm-hmm. uh, and so having uh, your brand well established, uh, understanding your positioning in the marketplace, how you differentiate yourself for uh, as a competitor. All of those pl- things play into the the marketing of of your firm, and I know uh, what a great job you do in uh, in serving your clients in that capacity. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and and sharing some of your expertise and and what you're doing out there in the marketplace. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. And so now, uh, Ed Mysoglan, Ed's with Indiana Business Advisors. Uh, Ed, I've been really excited to. Uh, I've been looking forward to our conversation. Uh, I know we share a lot of common views as far as uh, the challenges that business owners have in in getting prepared for their business uh, exit, uh, whether it's uh, uh, you know an ownership or management uh, transition. Uh, I kind of want to uh, talk a little bit about you know where things are. the The baby boomer generation uh, is uh, is retiring. Uh, but uh, the baby boomers are also seem to be working longer. Uh, but we're in the middle of the greatest wealth transfer in history. And so uh, uh, they say anxiety is the price you pay for the unprepared mind and mouth. So how, do you, how can a business owner prepare for their exit? Well, I, I think the first thing they have to, to realize is that eventually this is going to come to an end. And whether it's voluntarily or involuntarily, it will come to an end. And and so from a preparation standpoint, they just need to be – they need to understand how that's going to happen. Now, and again, some business owners, and God bless bless them that they want to ride the business, you know, until the end. Take take me out, you know, on a stretcher. And and that's fine so long as – family members and interested parties all understand that. Conversely, if all of your net worth is tied up in the business and you need to make that liquid through an exit through internal or external exits, then then it takes a little bit of planning in order to to make sure that you maximize that value on the way out. And I think probably uh, what you see is as well as I is uh, uh, there's so many business owners that just have their heads down. Uh, they're working in the business, uh, but they're not taking the time out to work on the business. And so all of a sudden, as you're approaching uh, the exit, uh, the business owner raises their head and says, oh, my gosh, I'm 65. I've done no planning. Well, right. And 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 that happens a lot. And I believe that, you know, with with some of the tools that are available these days, as far as documenting processes, automation, um, you know, understanding where your customers are, those are different means to reduce, reduce the time that you need to prepare if you're doing it on the front end. And I, and I do believe that, you know, as long as you understand what the drivers of value are and what, what pulls the value levers in your business you don't necessarily need an extensive amount of time so long as as you recognize where your where your chinks in your corporate armor are if that makes sense yeah i think part of it uh indirectly what you're saying is you want to make that business bulletproof so that you are looking for those chinks in the armor 
yeah, you you, you want to de-risk it because because any buyer worth with worth his or her salt is going to scrutinize you know your your business and perhaps your life's work, and it's not anything personal. It's it's making a good sound investment decision, and you just need to be prepared on how someone's going to scrutinize you. So we're talking this morning with Ed Mysigland, who's a managing partner with Indiana Business Advisors. Ed's a 30-year veteran of selling small and mid-sized companies. He has professional designations in business valuation, equipment appraising, and exit planning. Uh, also, he has a weekly podcast, which I want to give a plug for, uh, <laughs> How to Sell a Business. Uh, you can certainly uh, uh, check him out on, uh, on your favorite uh, podcast station. So, Ed, I want to go back to uh, the comment that you made about the the drivers uh, in terms of, of determining business value. I'm sure they can vary, uh, but for those business owners that are listening in, how does how does a business owner going go about determining really what the value drivers in his or her business are? Well, I. I guess the first one is near and dear to both of our hearts, and and that's understanding your earnings. You you have to have a command of your financial statements, just what makes them work. So that's the first thing. the The second thing, and and these are general, general, generally applicable to just about every business. You know, where's your customer concept? Is there any concentration, whether that's internal or external? Is it employees? Is it suppliers? What's the industry growth? You know, are you in a mature industry? There's nothing wrong with that. I we were just talking to a um, uh, a fellow that you know is is automating his his uh, antiquated manufacturing company. That's going to modernize that, so he's basically able to to um, you know to slow down the where they're at in the business life cycle. The next thing is. Is customers? Can you quantify where are your customers coming from? What does it cost to 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 acquire a customer? Next is where do you fit in as far as the business? You know, we were we're with Paul here. You know, we were talking about. You know, he's a, a practitioner. As he grows his business, he needs to not be the business and be in a position to to trans transfer that that knowledge that's in his head to somebody else because then it makes it easier it de-risks the business then you you want to look at you know what makes you different you know there does it make does it make it more saleable yeah i mean somebody wants a niche everybody in fact i should say everybody wants a niche but if you're a me too what is what is your differentiator are you philanthropic that you're serving your community though that's an that's a that's a an appealing means to a to a buyer because they you're looking for that same buyer that has that same you know the servant mentality. So those are just a few of the the drivers that that really that really make up the the increase or decrease in the risk profile of acquiring a business. Yeah, and I think you've really done a great job of spelling out uh, some of those really really critical points. Uh, I do want to shift our conversation a little bit. So uh, uh, we're past COVID. Uh, but we uh, are dealing with a lot of economic uncertainty. Uh, 
right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, consensus is that we may have very slow uh, uh, economic uh, first six months. Uh, some people mm-hmm. are saying that we might be in a recession now. Some people might say we're we're going into a recession, maybe at least in the first half of the year. Uh, it's it's kind of like if you uh, if you get four economists that are trying to predict in the economy, you get uh, you get six theories out of that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, with the unknown economy, what should a business owner expect regarding values? Well, uh, the first thing a business owner really needs to understand is that multiples don't vary widely at, at in the small space. All right, they're they're they generally don't have the volatility that you would see in the stock market, but what, what you do need, and this is what you and I talked about is you do need to understand that your earnings will make a substantially bigger impact and mitigate the recession or economic downturn risk that affects others. Being able to, to, to understand and, and, lessen operating expenses or cost of goods or or you know identify where there's leakage that we that we enjoyed during during you know uh, the upturn in the economy because there every business was was doing it we're we're all I'm not say fat and happy but we were all not as dialed into our our financial statements and now it's just a matter of okay look recessions and downturns come it's just a matter of of dialing back into your financials and and seeing where there's potential waste and my i would assume that that will make a positive inco- impact to the value much more than worrying about you know what's happening as far as market multiples excellent points we're uh, talking this morning with Ed Mysegland managing partner of Indiana Business Advisors. Uh, IBA is at a is a 41-year-old business brokerage firm representing small and mid-sized companies. It's the largest business brokerage in Indiana, representing manufacturing, distribution, service, and construction support businesses. Uh, to date, IBA has sold over 2,200 businesses. And Ed, that is uh, uh, a real credit to the to the quality of the people and the quality quality of the firm that you put together, I want to go on to the uh, next question. What what types of businesses sell? You know, it's funny. It's I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I, I've I've put my foot in my mouth so many times about you know what's a good business to sell, and I I should tell you that you know some businesses are easier to sell. Good businesses will sell, and meaning, you know, you can you can look at um, like a manufacturing company. It's easy to borrow money against the you know million millions in in equipment. It's a whole other thing to have a professional service business where there's no assets. But I can tell you, and that's what we were talking about the drivers that the risk profile. If you can, if that service business can can adjust their their risk profile, they're just as marketable and saleable as the manufacturing company, but they're going to have to have a command of where their customers are coming from. You know, management is, or the owner is not necessarily the entire business and that that'll fix it. So, so the long answer to the short question is in my opinion, any business, any business 
a good business will sell in any in in any environment. It really it really will. If in times that were of an uncertainty, I think you'll find that businesses will be better. Businesses will will rise to the to the top and get more attention. But I, but at the same time, I, the underlying theme is good business will sell in, in any economy. And like I said, I've been doing it for a long time, and I can tell you that that is absolutely true. So that means even for people like me that are kind of solopreneurs out there, there there is hope for that uh, for that solopreneur uh, to to sell his or her business eventually. Yeah, and and in a case like you, I mean, you start positioning, you know that personal goodwill that you're going to sell, it may take some time. You may have to have a strategic partner and and it may be a matter of, you know, retention of the clients that you're working with over time. But certainly I don't think it's going to to slow you down so long as, you know, the the risks associated with your business are identified and, you know, identified and and I don't want to say mitigated. But you're in a position to help that buyer understand that it, the risk that you're taking is 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 quantifiable. So there, there's hope. <laughs> there is hope. <laughs> nope, no problem. So um, I want to kind of uh, steer our conversation now. Um, so the business owner, we've already determined there's potentially little to no planning uh, done up front. Uh, there's going to be a lot of listeners to our podcast that are saying, uh, okay, it's a new year. It's a new day. I've done little to no planning, but I'm, uh, but I'm ready to get started. So are there particular drivers of value? I know we talked earlier about uh, kind of a general, but I'm, I'm going to try to get a little specific if we can. Yeah, sure. Particular drivers of value that a business owner needs to know. Yeah, you you have to have a command of your financial statements. Your financial statements can't be a total can't be shambles. And and they are what they are. If you look, every business owner is is trying to minimize taxes. We all understand it. It would behoove you for you to get a an understanding of how much discretionary income is embedded in your financial statements. You want to know, you know, you can't just say, well, you know, this, all my credit card purchases are all personal expenses. That It's not going to withstand scrutiny by the, the buyer or the bank. So understanding just how much your business actually makes. And I think a, a lot of business owners see it as a personal piggy bank, you know, that it's, it's paying the bills, but they don't understand, you know, if you strip out all of that, just how profitable the business would be. So that's your first thing is is getting your arms around what that buyer is going to be buying because they're buying probably a replacement wage. They get they need to service the debt. They need a return of and on their investment. Those are the those are the components that that cash flow or those that that income from the business is going to be used for. So that driver is is probably the most important. And also having your financials in order enable you to to make the deal go smoother and faster because in our world time kills all deals. So the more the more together and accessible your financial statements and and being in good condition, 
you're, you're miles ahead. And I know I spent a lot of time on that one, but I can tell you that that what you don't want to get down to is, is, you know, a few weeks before closing or the conclusion of due diligence and somebody's going to retrade because they found, they found your, the quality of your financial statements to amplify risk. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, you know, it, it seems like a little, a normal thing, but clean your business up. I mean, literally, I mean, you know, like you would be staging a house, you're staging a business that, you know, you, you don't want it to be a dump. I mean, per, first impressions really make a difference. The third thing I think I would, I would do is, is come up with a list of all the reasons why someone would not want your business. You know, and I know we're talking about drivers, but I'm talking about preparation. Why wouldn't someone want this business? Because someone's going to likely ask you questions that you don't want to be caught flat-footed on. And and it'll also lead you to lead you to the 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 part of the business where you know that that you're going to have to face because the problems you're having is probably the same problems the buyer is going to be having. So so that that driver in my in my opinion is is the growth you know that that falls in my world under growth what's going to impede it well all the reasons why someone wouldn't want to buy it so those were those are probably my top 3 yeah wise words ed thank you and uh <laughs> thank you uh for our listeners out there uh someone's interested in uh, either buying a business or selling a business what's the best way for them to get in touch with you yeah, you the I have a a link tree. You can go to edmysagland.com. So E D M Y S O G L A N D all.com. All the fun and excitement that uh, I'm involved with, you can you can get it right there. And also talk a little bit about if someone wants to listen to your podcast, what's the best place for them to find that? You know what? I've got a great episode with Bill McDermott. You ought to listen to it. Um, so I was not so no. taking you in that direction. <laughs> nah. So yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I have a podcast called uh, "How to How to Sell a Business" podcast, and where I'm talking to buyers, sellers, advisors, all those people that that are involved in making a a business more valuable or b um, make it more saleable. And so, so that podcast is, is weekly and, and we, and right now we're on a, on a kick of interviewing different subject matter experts based on industry. And, and so I hope, uh, yeah, I hope you give it a listen. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And I get, when I get guests like you, it it always makes it fun. Well, and, uh, back at you because, uh, uh, your firm having sold 2,200 businesses (laughs) is, uh, is quite a statement and certainly speaks to the quality of the work that you do. So for our listeners out there, uh, uh, when you're thinking about buying a or selling a business, uh, certainly think about Ed Meisigline. Ed, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Likewise. Appreciate it. And now the conversation switches to Jim Persley. Uh, Jim is president and CEO of Factory Automation Systems. Uh, Jim, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I do want to kind of talk about because your firm works with manufacturers, uh, even with supply chain disruptions, 
it seems that manufacturing has found its way back home in the U.S. So what are you seeing? Yeah, certainly finding its way. And, and supply chain is a big part of that. So people are no longer um, able to get what they need from uh, global supplies of Asia, the, the shipping problems, and you know, really teamed with the labor shortage we've seen as well. So, so traditionally in the types of things that we do in automation and robotics, what the value proposition is, is you invest a certain amount of money in automation, robotics, and that is to you know, be more efficient than the three or four people that may be doing that job now. And in the last couple of years with, with the labor and supply chain, it's, you, you can't find people to show up and do the work at all. So it, that combined with uh, needing to bring uh, the manufacturing closer to uh, where it's being used has, has really made it a good time to be in, in, in automation and, and manufacturing. Yeah, it really sounds like that the um, supply chain combined with labor shortages and the need for automation – uh, is really playing right into factory automation's hand. That's right, exciting. Right. It's, a, it's a good time to be in the business. So, and on that topic, talk a little bit about factory automation systems, uh, what you do uh, and who you do it for. Yeah, so we, uh, we supply automation and robotic solutions for anybody that, that manufactures something. So, you know, look around everything that's made. It's, you know, building materials, um, plywood, fiberglass insulation, siding, uh, automotive parts. Um, uh, we put water in bottles, you know, really anything. So there's a, uh, you know, we always tell people the, the show that's how stuff is made. That's a good example. The stuff that's in there of how they make it, that's what we provide. That's pretty cool. We're talking this morning with Jim Persley, president of Factory Automation Systems. Uh, he joined uh, the firm as a co-op student in 1997. Since graduating from Georgia Tech in 2000, Jim has held various engineering, sales, and management roles. In October of 22, Jim and three business partners uh, purchased factory automation from the founders of the company. Uh, and so uh, I know factory automation also celebrates 30 years in business this year. So yeah, congratulations. Right. Uh, the culture that has been built there is special. Is that part of the reason for the company's success, not only with top-shelf clients, but also the best and brightest employees. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of one of the big factors that uh, really uh, went into uh, uh, why we wanted to keep the business as it is, um, and and really has has some of the customers that were our customers one and two with the business thirty years ago are still our customers today, and the reason for that is the you know as, as you mentioned the culture that we've we've built. With the employees, we, we bring in the best and brightest and then find a way that they could work together to, to really deliver the best solutions. And we work with our customers in that, that mindset as well of, of how, do we, how do we take what we've done and make it better next time? How do we make it faster? How do we make more products with less energy and less people, less, you know, uh, you know just an overall make it better Again, so we don't we don't do a lot of duplicating of systems. Um, it's always always get out to you know what is next, but but still keeping it robust. And so to be able to do that, you have to keep up with the, the latest technologies, and you have to have people that can do things that have not been done before. And if you're going to do that, you got to have a culture where you don't have you know one guy that's oh I know everything about everything. And, and do it my way, you bring together a group of really sharp people, really smart people, 
that have respect, professional respect for each other and personal respect as well. And, and you take the best of those skills and you work with your customers to understand what their really their needs are. What are they really asking you for? And you put all that together and that's how you get to the best solutions. And that's how you get customers that you've worked with for, for 30 years consistently that, that, you know, have us do work from, you know, right next door to flying to the other side of the world in Australia to go do work because they don't trust anybody else between where we are in Atlanta, Georgia and, and Australia to do the work. Yeah. That's such a big compliment to to you and your team. That's quite a flight too. <laughs> By the way, it is sure. a very long flight. I've never done it personally, <laughs> but I've talked to quite a few people that have. Uh, so I'm, I'm reminded of a quote, John Maxwell has said, uh, uh, teamwork makes the dream work, right. but uh, that dream becomes a nightmare when you've got a a, a great team uh, or a great dream, but a but a right. a bad team. Right. And so you've figured out a way to put that team together, uh, and uh, and now it's uh, been passed on from uh, from the uh, founders uh, to you and your three partners. As as I mentioned previously, you and the management team recently purchased the company from the owners. So first question is, what's it like uh, to go from an employee to an owner? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's certainly different. So I've, you know, as you mentioned before, I've been with the company. I've been in just about every single role you could have in the company. So I started, uh, uh, I bragged a little bit that I started as a co-op student. I actually uh, started building panels in the shop and then upgraded to a co-op student and then did some engineering and sales. So I've, I've, I've been in all of those roles and, you know, the, the nature I have and, and many of the employees that uh, are there that, that we take a lot of pride in what we do, right. And feel responsible for, um, you know, uh, the, the work that we do and, 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 and what that means to our customers and what it means to uh, the other people uh, that we're working with our, our colleagues, our coworkers. And, and really that just gets amplified, as you take on the, the the role of president and then the owner that that people are looking to you to you know make sure you're making the right decisions and there's a lot more decisions to make that you used to just not think about that seemingly are mundane but sure. you know now we're the ones that have to make it and it's very important we take that very personally that you know it's it's for the well-being of of uh, the people we work with and their families um you know that 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 it is successful and that we are making those right decisions. Yeah. And as president, sometimes it gets, it gets a little lonely at the top sometimes too. Doesn't <laughs> well, it? It, sometimes I've got, I'm, I'm blessed to have a really good team of people to work with. And, and uh, the, the founders of the business, I've, I've known them for, you know, 26 years, I guess now, since we, we started and they, they put us in a great position. Um, they, they built the culture of the company, um, there's, there's people we, uh, if you visit our office, we have Christmas parties through the years you've, you've, uh, been there Bill, and, and you'll see the same faces from, you know, from the beginning, uh, you know, this, a lot of the same faces will be there. And then you'll see where people have joined, uh, 15 years ago and 10 years ago and five years ago. And you'll see a lot of those same faces going, going through there because it, you know, that's part of what it is we're, we're building, and that we have built and, and uh, the founders of the company really built that we, that was most important for us as part of the transition to keep, uh, to keep moving and that we want to take into the future. Yeah. And I want to, uh, I want to first compliment you. I think uh, uh, the founders of the firm uh, have done an exceptional job of, of building a culture and 30 years in business speaks to that. Uh, but also 
uh, talking about that uh, management and ownership transition, uh, I know culture played a part in that too. Could you speak to that a little bit as yeah. well? Yeah, it, it played a, a very big part. Um, so the the owners, the, the the former owners, explored several different options. Um, you know, we we felt at some point kind of like the you know the prettiest girl at the dance. We had you know several suitors that uh, uh, have known us and worked with us and and were exploring. Um, purchasing the uh, the business and and they were very open uh, with us I and mean, that they uh, certainly we were um, they understood as as I do and the new management team does that um, in order for the business to be successful the the team has to be in place right so we don't have um, you know we don't we're, we're a services organization our product is our people so if the people go away we have nothing to to sell and so they they certainly recognize that and were very open with us. Um, throughout the you know process of exploring things, but even even to them, maintaining the culture was the key to keeping the business successful. So we did not want to disrupt that, and that was a priority both for them as uh, as a legacy, uh, as for us as the management team that's going to take it going forward. That we we don't want to ruin the reason that we have pictures of the same people over thirty years on on the wall. That we want it to be a place that um, our employees want to come into work every day, that our customers can uh, rely on the the team that they've worked with for years and years and years is still going to be there, um, you know, with some new faces that that come in. You got to keep you know keep that stuff uh, moving, but but in general, the same group, the same company they've worked with for the last thirty years is still going to be there. Yeah, and uh, I have no doubt you'll be successful. We're talking to Jim Persley, president of Factory Automations. Uh, Factory Automation Systems is a manufacturing controls systems integrator. Uh, they pri- provide industrial automation and robotic solutions for top manufacturers in the U.S. and worldwide. Uh, Jim, closing out, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the transaction that occurred and and. There are many deal points that go into a transaction, uh, but you and I have talked, and uh, getting the financing part of the transaction right is one of the keys to success in that ownership transition. Could you speak about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, I, my background, I'm an electrical engineer. Um, just about everybody in our building is an engineer. Of, of our, our controller has a mechanical engineering degree. So we're a building full of engineers, for, for better or worse. But when it comes to the financing piece, that is, that's not a world we live in, right? We certainly understand uh, how businesses run. But, but if you were to uh, come to us of how do, you, how do you finance purchasing a business, man, we, we, needed some, we needed some assistance. So the important thing to us and, and – uh, uh, Working with somebody that does under understand that was was very important, and what what we got out of it was um, getting something that we could manage to. You know, the financing we we worked with something that was uh, we had a, a combination of bank and seller financing. Um, the uh, you know the seller was uh, agreed to go along with whatever we could find uh, bank financing wise, and. Um, you know, worked uh, worked with you. I'll throw you a plug, uh, Bill, you. and and to uh, uh, to help find a, a solution that was best for us, and and you know, really hit it out of the park, frankly. So, um, I'm a I'm a pretty risk averse person, uh, as many engineers are, and we were able to uh, you know secure something that was fixed, and and that's something we could manage to, right? So, 
you know, there's, there's risks and rewards to anything, but, but the culture of our company and, and me personally and, and my uh, business partners, if, if we know what we're up against, we could pretty much tackle it. So being able to find the financing that, you know, secured us into knowing what we were up against for the next, you know, what, however many years that, uh, uh, we're paying, you know, paying this thing off was very, very important to us. Yeah, and kudos to the to the lender for figuring out that a fixed rate was important and and uh, giving us those uh, predictable loan payments that right. make it easy to uh, to predict mm-hmm. in the in the cash flow. Um, Jim, for our manufacturing listeners out there or potential uh, future employees of Factory Automation Systems, uh, if uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you or get in touch with the firm, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, for me personally, uh, email is is typically best. Uh, it's uh, J Persley, P-U-R-S-L-E-Y, at factoryautomation.com. Um, if you want to see some of the stuff we've done, our website has some great uh, robotic videos, If you uh, and we have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, that's factoryautomation.com is our, uh, is our site, so... Whether you like uh, seeing cool robots moving around making stuff or uh, uh, have a need of your own, we'd, we'd love to talk to you. I'm, I may need to geek out and go on YouTube and listen to one you could, or watch one of those. You could spend a lot of time. It'll uh, take you down a good rabbit hole of uh, watching things being manufactured. You know, for somebody in the finance business, I, I need to get out of my comfort zone and, and look at robotics hey, and engineering. If, stuff, I, if right? I could learn uh, finance talk, you could learn a little engineering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim, it's been a delight to have you. Thanks so yeah. much for coming Thank on the show. Great. Thanks for having me on. I want to uh, switch our conversation a little bit and talk about setting a vision uh, that you can see. You know, it's a new day. Uh, It's a new year. We've said goodbye to 2022. We're saying hello to 2023. And for many business owners, it can be difficult to have the vision to see where you want to take your company. How are you going to get there? or even if that's the best path for you to take. Uh, it's a big energy grain, drain uh, going through va- various iterations of your company's future. Michael Jordan was interviewed after hitting the winning shot in the NBA Finals. Jordan was asked, When you get ready to take the shot, what's going on in your head? Jordan replied, I can't see myself missing. What he meant was, when he gets ready to take the shot, he pictures the ball going in the net in his mind's eye. When you can see it in your mind's eye, the body will usually follow. When setting a vision, most successful CEOs don't just raise aspirational levels, they change the definition of success. Uh, Mary Barra, CEO of GM, took the helm in 2014. At the time, the company vision was to win in the global auto industry. She reframed that vision as to winning by transforming transportation. Uh, Barra, in her mind's eye, pictured that the internal combustion engine may not be here forever and quickly reframed the game to invest heavily in electric vehicles. That investment is beginning to pay off. So, I have a question for you. Where do you see your business going next year or in the next three to five years? Chances are... You're so busy working in the business, you haven't taken the time to work on it. Find a quiet place, maybe with your favorite beverage, and start dreaming. Find that dream, picture it in your mind's eye, and then reframe company success. Convert those dreams to goals and those goals to plans. Dream courageously because fortune favors the brave.
If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future ProfitSense episodes, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is ProfitSense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.